During the, uh, the Lenten seasons, I have sometimes uh, changed something in my life, something uh, as a way of self-denial in order to participate more in the suffering of Christ now. Giving up chocolate or giving up words with friends on my phone this Lenten season does not any way uh, compare to the scorn that Jesus suffered on the cross, but it's just a small little bit of participation in self-denial to bring just a bit of discomfort into my life. I was listening to a leadership podcast not too long ago, um, and the person was saying, look, if you want a habit to stick, if you want a spiritual practice to stick, you've got to make it achievable. Small steps within our spiritual practices become much larger on, but we need to have those short-term wins in order to keep encouraging us to move forward with long-term victories. Anyway, sometimes when I feel like I'm giving up stuff for God, I feel like I'm missing out. I'll be honest, I feel like I'm missing out. I remember when the show House of Cards came out on Netflix, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to watch this. It seems so good. And I, I was watching, uh, I was reading the reviews on it and stuff that, the content, and I was like, uh, well, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't watch this show. You know, maybe it's not the best uh, decision to make. But when I see everybody else that's got a TikTok account, um, or a Twitter account, or Instagram, I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on stuff. I really, I really feel like I should have one of these accounts. You know, and I had Twitter for a little while, and I was like, eh, this isn't good. But I feel like I was missing out. I feel like I'm missing out on stuff when I'm having to give them up. And when I feel like I'm missing out, I start thinking about more of what I don't have rather than what I do have. Think about it. If you've tried to give up uh, maybe a vice, cigarettes, beer, uh, what, you know, or food or chocolate or whatever, maybe it's during your Lenten discipline, and you've given something up, it seems like it's the more you crave it. When you can't have it, it seems like the more you want it. I have come into the realization that my thought process was all messed up, and that I was thinking about the wrong thing. I was thinking about the wrong motivation behind what it is I was doing is which is why we look at Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 8 this morning as it's a continuation of the sermon series giving up forgetting more. Now, look, when I came up with this sermon series, I was like forgetting, you know, forgetting more. Why it's like no, no, no. I should have said receiving more. That would have been more appropriate. But look, the posters are already made. It's already in the bulletin. You're just going to have to deal with it, right? Forgetting for getting, not one word, two words. Okay, anyway. You guys, are, you guys are a lot less lively than the first service, so there we go. All right, thanks, Jen. All right, so, no, I was just kidding. It was about the same uh, first service. I was just trying to get you live and up. All right, so let's look at verses 1 through 2 together. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, good, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
No doubt you have heard this scripture passage mentioned by me before on Sundays. I know I've heard Pastor John uh, mention this in his sermons as well, but I felt that this was particularly important as we go through the sermon series together. This idea of self-sacrifice is referenced in how our bodies are meant to honor God, which means something that we have to give up that might be displeasing to God, instead focusing on what might be worshipful to God. I've had conversations from the time I was a teenager until today, right, of what is appropriate for Christians in living, right? It can, can Christians drink alcohol? Can Christians use tobacco? Can Christians get tattoos? Can Christians practice uh, yoga or um, martial arts or things like this? You know, what's acceptable as far as a Christian diet? You know, what are Christians allowed to eat? What are Christians not allowed to eat? And we have these debates back and forth, but I realized that instead of having this conversation specifically of what is right and what is wrong— is to start asking ourselves this question regarding our bodies in the first place. How do we think about our bodies and what we're choosing to do in the first place? Maybe it's looking at Scripture first and understanding what our bodies were meant for in the first place, which brings us to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. The Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, this passage was written within the context of sexual immorality, which was rampant in the church, in, uh, which was rampant in the city of Corinth, and it was rampant within the church in Corinth as well, because the Christians were trying to understand from a different way of living and now into a new way of living. But this idea and practices and what they were doing with their bodies was not pleasing to God, and so Paul was talking about it. So in light of that passage, in light of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we need to ask ourselves this question. Is this action, behavior, or decision that we are making bringing honor and glory to God, knowing full well that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? How exactly is one sacrificing their own bodies as a holy and pleasing sacrifice to God as our true and proper worship. What is a sacrifice? A couple of weeks ago on Ash Wednesday, as we began our journey into the season of Lent, until the time of Easter, some of us recognized that there were aspects within our own lives, things that we became overly dependent on, things that maybe weren't perhaps Wrong, but we could see how they were definitely taking us away from our relationship with God or that we were becoming too consumed with them. 90% of the respondents, the reason why I'm talking so fast is because I went about five or six minutes over, so now I've got to try to make up and make sure I fit everything in at once, or I can just cut some things out. So anyway, we realized 90% of the people who responded said that there was something in regarding electronics that they needed to give up. Whether it was YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Netflix, Amazon Prime, whatever, Hulu. Um, it's, it was something dealing with electronics. That there had become an over-dependence, an over, 
movement towards those things for pleasure and comfort rather than moving to God. The purpose of the sacrifice is giving up something without expecting anything in return. When we're sacrificing things for God, we actually do receive things in return, but that's not our motivation behind why we do it. In the Old Testament, we see various examples of people bringing sacrifices to God, praise offerings, sin offerings, offerings of praise, whatever it was. It was to show God glory and honor. It was to show their dependence on God, that he was the sustainer and provider of all things. Come give a tenth of all of your earnings to God because everything that you possess belongs to God. Give a tenth of your fruits of your field because everything belongs to God. Sacrifice your firstborn male from your flocks because everything that you have belongs to God. It was to show that God was going to be able to provide for you more than you could possibly ever experience or imagine. In the case of self-denial or self-sacrifice in pleasing God, this means maybe giving up something which is a self-indulgence or something that is taking away from your dependence on God. It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. When we live our lives and we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice and no longer conform to the pattern of this world, then we are able to test and approve what God's will is which is good, perfect, and pleasing. So what does the pattern of this world tell us that we must live? It seems like every commercial that I have seen recently is telling me all the things and all the reasons why I must be dissatisfied with what I don't have. And so that I can buy their product or their service so that I will find happiness and fulfillment. If I just buy this particular gum, I'll be able to make out with anybody at the drop of a hat. If I drink this beer or alcoholic beverage, I'm going to be the life of the party. You see, if I just indulge in these things, look at all the things that I get to experience. But what am I actually gaining in the long term? When I've met with Chuck Horn, my mentor, over and over again, and God bless this man, he, he sometimes, he usually, he all the time busts me out. By asking me, Jeremy, look, um, you know, you could continue doing this, but is it really benefiting you anything? And I'm like, oh, no, probably not, Chuck. And he's like, you know, you may want to think of letting that go. If it's not bringing any, any uh, you know, it's not benefiting you at all, so why are you doing it? It's like, oh, man, i got to work on that too. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All right. Maybe it's a vice. Maybe it's on how we eat or choose to, or how I choose to eat, or how much I choose to eat. Whatever it is, the question always comes down to this. How am I choosing to honor God with this decision? How am I choosing to honor God with this decision? How is this bringing glory and honor to God? This is what separates our church from many other churches in that we don't have a strict adherence to many lifestyles or ways of acting like other more fundamentalist churches. We don't tell you how short your hair has to be. We don't tell you how long your hair has to be. We don't tell you the kind of clothes you're supposed to wear, whether you can have piercings, tattoos, or whatever, right? There's a great deal of freedom that we allow within our congregation because that's who we are as a covenant church. 
we allow the freedom to happen. When it comes to areas of lifestyle like um, uh, like sex and marriage and uh, those kinds of things, things that are clearly laid out in the Bible, which is a do or a don't, then we will talk about those things and we will challenge you. But for the most part, we allow for a great deal of freedom in our church. You don't need me or Pastor John to be your morality police. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Some of us here might not like that. Some of you want us to tell you what exactly is right and wrong. And you don't like the sermon already because I haven't come down on any one thing yet. We'll get there. But anything that's obviously damaging to your health or damaging to the lives of others around you and is clearly laid out in Scripture as a do or a don't, we allow for a great deal of freedom. So let me read uh, just a snippet of one of our covenant affirmations, which is the reality of the freedom of Christ. It says, The covenant church seeks to focus on what unites followers of Jesus Christ rather than what divides them. The center of our commitment is a clear faith in Jesus Christ, and freedom is frequently a misunderstood concept. In Western culture, freedom is often understood as autonomy and independence. No one, however, can be truly autonomous or independent because authentic freedom manifests itself in a right relationship with God and with others. It is for this reason that freedom in Christ is so highly valued in the covenant church, that freedom is a gift of God in Christ to all who are willing to receive it. If you are willing, Jesus said, continue in my word and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free from John 8. 31 through 32. But this freedom, however, is not meant for self-indulgence. It's meant to serve the community and the world out of love of God, which we find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. So, in light of what I have just mentioned before and just now, this passage in Romans 12, 1 through 8 doesn't stop At verse 2, it continues on. And so we'll see how this now fits in, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Sacrificing in the sense means that we lower ourselves, that maybe others might receive credit. Maybe it's putting others' needs before our own because it's more important for us to sacrifice what we want for the sake of what they need. Humility is tough. Humility is tough, and self-sacrifice is actually meant to bring honor to God and glory to God. And it's also meant to uplift the entire community. Which is why Paul continues after this first part about sacrificing our bodies, being holy and pleasing. This is our true and proper form of worship. And he continues now in verse 4. For just as each one of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. 
If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Giving up for getting more is actually what God demonstrates to us as a conscious dependence on him. Because God actually provides a much deeper, much more intimate, much more satisfactory relationship with us when we are choosing to honor him with all of who we are. And together with one spirit, his church, his people can actually accomplish more in this world than when we operate independently or operate within our own self-interest or preservation. This communal living as an aspect within the church, living into this calling actually edifies the church, which is God's representative to the world. You want to be able to discern and plead and understand what God's will is for your life, then you must present your bodies as holy and be pleasing. This as a form of worship. Understand that your life is not only connected with God's spirit, but to the connected spirits of all those within our body here this morning. So it's important to understand how God has uniquely called and gifted each and every single one of us as we enter into that area of worship in our lives and how we understand this sacrifice that we live. Starting in 6, uh, verse 6, halfway through. We'll go back. It says, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. When I committed to the practice of fasting, it was tough because I like food. Pastor John and I love meeting with people over lunch or over food because there is something that is beneficial among breaking bread with believers and getting to fellowship over food. And there is also a great benefit from receiving clarity when I am choosing to sacrifice what my flesh wants, instead now getting to hear and discerning God's voice as I practice fasting so that there is a renewing of my mind that can take place that couldn't happen any other way than through this self-denial. So instead of trying to please my earthly cravings, I was trying to figure out how I can please God. Yes, we need food to survive. And I'm not telling all of you here to go and fast now for the next five or seven days, although you could, but I am reminded that even Moses reminded the people before entering the land that God was giving to them in Romans chapter or Romans in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in which Jesus quotes in Matthew 4 4 and I'll read that remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness those 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands he humbled you causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. 
This was a demonstration of a dependence that the people needed to have on God and that God was willing and able and did provide any and much more than they would have possibly ever need or want. When we become a living sacrifice as it's lived out within the church, it comes at a personal cost. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes us away from activities that maybe we'd much rather be enjoying anything than serving. It comes at a great deal of sacrifice. But in serving, many of us have experienced that when we live outside of ourselves, we receive a double portion of grace from God and that we feel fulfilled. We feel purposeful. We feel like God is giving us more because we're choosing to give up. When we serve others as a living sacrifice, we're actually benefiting from that satisfactory presence and that closeness that we experience to God because we're doing it for God. But this concept of giving up something in the first place is totally against what the world tells us. It tells us we need other things to be satisfied. It tells us it needs everything and anything other than God to be satisfied. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed now by the renewing of your mind. This renewal comes through prayer. It has a mind of conformity to God's mind to hear and experience his direction in our lives, to live out a life that pleases him for the benefit not only of us, but for the community as well. Some of you are going to leave here this morning saying, hey, Jeremy, you never told us if it was okay to get uh, tattoos or it was okay to drink or smoke or to practice yoga or do martial arts or whatever. You didn't tell us. You didn't give us the answer. And I say, you're right, I didn't. I didn't. Because I want you to think and ask yourself the question of your motivation, What's your motivation? What is at your heart and what are you choosing to do? And are you confident that it's bringing glory and honor to God as you present your bodies as a living sacrifice? Just because things are possible doesn't mean that all things are beneficial either. Whatever we choose to do, whatever God is placing on your heart, there is a dependency that we all must enter into in order to experience God on a deeper, more intimate relationship. And we must allow our minds to be renewed over and over to conform to the mind of God so that we will be able to test and approve what his will is for us as we live out that life for him. The thing about a sacrifice is that it's usually never convenient. Usually never. You see what I did? I know. It's not. It's not convenient. That's why it's a sacrifice, because it's going to cost you something. It will always seem like a burden, like you are missing out at first, but once you start doing it, it becomes second nature. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice at all. In fact, it changes your mindset like it's changing my mindset. Instead of saying, Jeremy, you're missing out on all these things you could be having, it's saying, I am doing this to experience more of God. 
It's what kept me from pursuing ministry for 11 years of my life. When God first placed this call in ministry in my life when I was about a junior in high school, it took me 11 years to finally fulfill and walk into that calling. Now, life was not terrible before I did that, but I didn't feel purposeful. I didn't really feel like my life was really projecting a ton of meaning as I was honoring God. I was still serving in the church uh, within the youth group, mentoring high school boys, but I wasn't feeling like everything that I was doing was really what God had wanted for me. And then when I finally decided to pursue that call, then I felt like life was really worth, or I mean, life was always worth living, but it always felt like I was now living into this purpose that God had in my life. God desires all of us to work in one body because that is how he has created us. He's created us for relationship with him, and he's created us for relationship with one another. And how we live that out in God and through our spirit is what we need to be asking ourselves today. So whether your gift of prophecy or healing or teaching, encouraging, we've got to respond because as one body, we function better when we're all working together. Instead of having that mindset like we're missing out, recognize of what more we are actually attaining because of this sacrifice. And we need to recognize, too, that it's not all or nothing thinking, that we're going to mess up along the way. But I think God honors that in his grace, that he recognizes what we're choosing to do, what we're willing to live as a holy sacrifice, as a living sacrifice to him, that he is honoring it because it's all about our motivation. It's about our heart. It's about our desire that this is for him. We worship God simply because of who God is and who God is calling us to be. And we need to be encouraged this morning that we can live this out in God, that we can have more. We can have more of God if we're just willing to let go of more of us. So the question is, what greater benefit might be in store for you this morning as you let go in order to receive more? Where is God renewing your mind and testing you to challenge you on how you are presenting your bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit to God as a form of worship? What might you be willing to experience if you're just willing to let some things go? Let's pray. God, in your goodness, in your grace, in your mercy, we recognize our dependence on you. And it is a hard sermon because it challenges us to let go of what the world has taught us from the very beginning, that we can have all this greatness and all this goodness and all this pleasure um, away from you, which is really a lie. So God, through your power of the Holy Spirit, continue to transform our minds and conform our minds to yours so that we can take on a healthy perspective that we are not really missing out on what this world has to offer. But God, we are gaining so much more because we are living into your good and perfect will. Amen.